What's beneath the surface of true crime? Uncover brings you there with premium investigations that demand justice. Each season delves into a distinct case, from the inner workings of a cult to the disturbing legacy of residential schools. Promising new content year-round, Uncover will take you on a journey through explosive revelations with hosts dedicated to revealing the truth. Uncover, the best in true crime. Find it on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. What are they doing to us, man? The police are holding no integrity. It was kind of scary, honestly. No fighting! No fighting! Oh my God! It was a time of great uncertainty and a first in Canadian history. Almost two years ago, the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invoked the Emergencies Act to quell what he called an illegal occupation. Convoy protests began in Ottawa, spread to Windsor, Ontario, where they blocked the Canada-U.S. border. And at another border crossing in Coots, Alberta, the RCMP seized a weapons cache from protesters. Invoking the Emergencies Act gave the government extraordinary powers to arrest protesters and freeze bank accounts. Now a federal court ruling has found that the government move was unjustified and violated charter rights. Eva Kraska is the lawyer who took the government to federal court on behalf of the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. She's with me in studio. Good morning. Good morning. Why did the CCLA take the government to federal court, as you understand it? The CCLA took the government to court because they were concerned that the government overreached in invoking the Emergencies Act. Uh, the CCLA wanted to ensure that the legal threshold for ever invoking the Emergencies Act and suspending civil liberties would remain high and that it was important for the court to provide guidance to future governments as to when and how they should be invoking this act. That threshold is at the center of this. The government said that um, there was a threat to the security of Canada. Cabinet had to understand that there were reasonable grounds to... um, a a public emergency, and that would lead to the invoking of the Emergencies Act. Why wasn't that threshold met, as you understand it? There's two reasons why it was not met. The first was that the court found that there was no national emergency and that the existing laws of Canada were sufficient to deal with the crisis and that the Emergencies Act should only be used as a measure of last resort. So, for example, Windsor, Coots, Ontario, Quebec, they were all able to clear the protests without using existing laws. What about in Ottawa, where it was difficult, we know this, to to get tow truck drivers, for example, to come and haul those rigs away because they were worried about what would happen to them if they did that. And the, the, the understanding was that the act needed to be put into place to help compel people to do that and to bring in those powers that would clear out the the, the, the blockade. Correct. So that was what, what, one of the finer points in the was that in the Ontario Emergencies Act can't compel people to do things, whereas the Alberta one did. But that was not, Justice Mosey found that that was not sufficient. That one issue was not sufficient to invoke the Emergencies Act. And then the second part of it was, as Justice Mosey found that the government did not demonstrate that there was threats to the security of Canada. And that has to meet the definition of the CSIS Act, And the threats to the security of Canada the government relied upon were threats to the economy of Canada. And Justice Mosley said, well, you know, maybe the legislation needs to be changed in the future. But today, the legislation says threats to the security of Canada within the meaning of the CSIS Act. And that was not met. David Vigneault, the director of CSIS, said that he supported the invoking of the Emergencies Act, but also said that he didn't believe the convoy met 
his agency's definition of a threat to national security. That's correct. That was his testimony at the commission. It's interesting because uh, Justice Mosley said that his decision benefited from hindsight in some ways, that had he been there in the moment, he might have made a different decision. But he had the benefit of time. He had the benefit of more information than the government had. What does that tell you? Well, I think that's near the end of his decision. And Justice Mosley, I think, has a lot of sympathy for the government and has a lot of sympathy for the people in Ottawa who uh, endured the convoy. But at the same time... He also says he was initially leaning toward the view that this was a reasonable act. Yes. It's kind of rare to see a judge write that. Um, it's very it's very honest um, and very sincere, but I think he he looks at this and says, well, if, if he essentially says the government was operating under an interpretation of the legal framework that was not correct, and they were trying to stretch the legal framework to fit the situation. Why were those threats to the economic well-being of the nation not deemed to be? a threat to national security. This came, I mean, there are concerns from the United States and elsewhere that what was going on in terms of border crossings, um, but also just what people characterize as an occupation of the capital city of Canada was a threat to the economic well-being of this country. Why did that not meet the threshold? Well, Justice Mosey says, when you have the words threat to the security of Canada under the CSIS Act, if you have an interpretation of what that means, you can only have one interpretation across the law of what that definition means. And he says economic threats do not meet that definition. And he acknowledges maybe that's problematic. Maybe we should have a different threshold. But today, that is the threshold that has to be met. And yes, cabinet may consider things different than what CSIS considers, but then they have to justify it and they have to explain it. There's a public inquiry that found the government was justified in invoking the act. Help me understand the daylight between these two. Yes, I, that, I, I acknowledge that I think for many people, that's a bit of a puzzle and a struggle. But J- Justice Rulo at the for the commission he was also very frank and sincere that his role was a bit different. His role was a fact-finding role. His role was a fact-finding role about what caused the Freedom Convoy, what caused the invocation of of the Emergencies Act. And he says in his report, reasonable people may disagree with me that it was justified. And Justice Mosley sits in a bit of a different position. He was really looking at the legality of the decision. He was looking at it from a different perspective. And he finds that from a legal perspective, the legal thresholds were not met. Yesterday, the Deputy Prime Minister, Christy Freeland, stood by the decision to invoke the Emergencies Act. Have a listen to what she said. The public safety of Canadians was under threat. Our national security, which includes our national economic security, was under threat. It was a hard decision to take. How do you believe the government should have responded to to what happened, that scale of protest that we saw two years ago? Well, I think the government the government was responding to it, and we see that once the Freedom Convoy started to block uh, border crossings, the provincial governments were really responding to it. And you saw that the OPP cleared the Windsor Bridge expeditiously once that occurred. And fa- I mean, in my view, what really happened was once the OPP cleared the Windsor Bridge, those police officers were then deployed to Ottawa. And the, Ottawa then had the necessary reinforcements, the police power to clear the Ottawa protests. Um, I think that the government was responding. They had the laws necessary to deal with the Freedom Convoy. It was just a matter of of timing. And what the court says is, 
you know, the Emergencies Act can't be used for convenience or expediency. Just before I let you go, what are the implications of this ruling, do you think? I mean, we're going to talk about the political implications in a moment, but beyond that broadly for this country, what are the implications? I think there are very important uh, implications about the future, about when future governments are allowed to invoke this act. I think it creates a very important check and balance on executive power. And I think it creates proper legal guidance for future governments to know when when are they allowed to act, what's the test that has to be meet, met. And it's very good from a civil liberties perspective. Okay, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Eva Krajewska is a lawyer representing the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. She's also a partner at Henan Hutchison and Robitaille. Michael Kempa is a professor of criminology at the University of Ottawa. Michael, good morning to you. Good morning, Matt. What does this ruling say to you about the Emergencies Act itself? Well, for me, I first very much congratulate the CCLA and the other liberties associations that brought forward this challenge. They have forced clarity on the issue of how exactly the Emergency Act, as it's written in black letter law, can and should be applied and interpreted. And I think in this process, as Ms. Krajewska was just underlining, shown the ways in which this act is weak and out of date and might need to be updated, most especially on that question of financial harms coming within the ambit of the legislation. Point is, whether you agree with that position or not, any such reforms will now be undertaken in the full public eye it would never be the government adding on additional considerations and variables by stealth to an older piece of legislation. It forces that public debate. If what we saw two years ago didn't meet the threshold of an emergency, what would? Well, it was pretty clear in the ruling of Justice Mosley, we're talking about serious harms, mostly concentrated on the issue of bodily harm. So where there's threats of violence, significant violence, that might cause physical harm to people. Psychological harm actually falls within that category as well. But it cannot be stretched to the point where we're talking about threats to people's livelihoods or their well-being by undermining their economic position. That would be a step too far, says Mosley, for the interpretation of the Emergencies Act as it's written. I mean, in Coots, Alberta, there were threats, right? I mean, the uh, cache of weapons was seized and and the RCMP believes, I mean, there are charges that have been laid, um, that, 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 that there were uh, very doc- well-documented um, possible threats. And that's indeed very important. This is where Justice Rulo and Mosley have a lot in common in their write-ups. Both of them say we started with a legal protest that due to poor management, most especially in the city of Ottawa and the part of the command of the police organization, the various levels of conflict there, and at the level of the province of Ontario, through the lack of enforcement of existing criminal legislation to maintain a protest in its legal state, allowed things to spiral out of control. Both judges say that. They differ on the point of simply saying to Rulo, a lack of action at the level of the cities and provinces, justifies the government bringing in the Emergencies Act. Whereas Mosley says, I'm sorry, failure to use the law at those lower levels does not justify using the most extreme law in the land. To me, that suggests that there ought to have been some form of a mechanism to compel the cities and province of Ontario especially to act if they weren't doing so. Federal government says it will appeal this ruling. If the ruling sticks after appeal, what do you think, just finally, 
this will mean for protests in this country at a time when protests are changing? So we've got a very, what I would call a small door for appeal. They're gonna, the government's going to have to argue that Justice Mosley has made errors on law on those questions of whether or not the CSIS standards apply to the Emergencies Act, whether it can be stretched to include financial uh, damage and so forth. This is really now about, as far as I'm concerned, the government's most useful actions would be to tackle the difficult public interest question of reforming our Emergencies Act and municipalities and provinces becoming much more active in enforcing our laws around protest, not because we want to crack down on legal protest, because it is important to enforce the existing laws to crack down on illegal elements of protests to maintain and return protests to their legal state. In other words, to allow protests to continue without spiraling out of control. What so you- enforcement of promotion of hatred and mm. incitement of hatred, enforcement of criminal intimidation and mischief, Absolutely. The allowance of freedom of assembly and expression, even if it's offensive, we're going to carry on with that. I was just going to say, and I apologize for interrupting, but this is the same question that I asked to Ava, which is, what are the implications broadly for for the nation when it comes to this ruling? The downside is everybody now seems to have a report or judgment that's aligned with their political views on the freedom convoy. If you're anti-convoy, you'll point to uh, Rulo. If you're pro-convoy, you'll point to Mosley. This is wrong. We have two reports that say we had a protest that spiraled out of control because of poor management at the city and provincial level to become an illegal occupation. Where they differ is simply on questions of law for how we respond in the future, and I think Mosley gives us the best roadmap forward legally. Michael, good to talk to you as always. Thank you very much. Thank you kindly. Michael Kempa is a professor of criminology at the University of Ottawa. I don't know if you knew this, but the world of podcasting is massive. Hi, I'm Leah. I'm the host of CBC's Podcast Playlist. There is such a constant avalanche of new releases, it can be hard to keep up. Luckily, Podcast Playlist can help. Every week, we deep dive into the podcast world to find the most compelling stories. And every month, we'll give you a sneak peek into the hottest new releases so you can stay ahead. Tune in to Podcast Playlist on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. There are, as we mentioned, political implications to this ruling. Rosemary Barton is the CBC's chief political correspondent. Rosie, good morning to you. Morning, Matt. Liberals are just wrapping up their cabinet retreat in Montreal when news of this ruling dropped. How did that go down? Yeah, I think it's fair to say it uh, derailed them a little bit. Uh, They were trying to, as they have been for many months, uh, get the focus back on the things that matter to Canadians, affordability, cost of living, inflation, all those kinds of issues. Um, And they were trying to set themselves up for success as the House returns next week. Um, And so they were forced to deal with something that they kind of thought that they had put behind them, or at least didn't think they would have to deal with this week. I'd heard somebody this morning refer to this as a zombie, that people thought that this was dead and buried in the ground, and suddenly it rises back up from the ground. <laughs> I mean, fair. We, we knew that this was happening, though. This court case was happening. Um, whether or not the government believed that it was going to go their way, I think, is another matter. I think they took some confidence, obviously, from the Rouleau Commission. Uh, remember, that was a commission that went for many weeks, heard from 70 witnesses, had an enormous amount of evidence in front of them, and the prime minister testified uh, there. So perhaps that the conclusion that Rulo came to gave them some confidence about what was, what was going to happen at the federal court. It did not take long for the conservative leader, Pierre Polyev, to speak about this. Uh, he commented that Trudeau broke, these are his words, Trudeau broke the highest law in the land 
by invoking the Emergencies Act. How, and there will be an appeal, that appeal will take time, but how will the conservatives, do you think, use this in the months to come before this goes back to court? Yeah, I mean, it, it undoubtedly helps them. It gives them, it contributes to their narrative, first of all, that Canada is broken and that Justin Trudeau has contributed to that idea. It, it contributes to their narrative that uh, the Liberals seek to divide people, not unite people. And it contributes to the narrative, obviously, that the government is is not competent. I, I think there's a couple of problems with that argument. Uh, while, you know, they'll continue to make it. Remember that this convoy wasn't happening in a vacuum, right? First of all, it had happened just after the 21 uh, election, where vaccine mandates, remember, were very effectively used by the Liberal government, yes, to divide people, but also to win an election. And they believed that they had a mandate to continue on enforcing those. It also happened at a time when the United States was very upset with what was happening at the border. And the pressure from the U.S. at that time, I think if you talk to any cabinet minister who was around the table at the time, was intense. So they were struggling to to find a way to resolve this, especially in Ottawa, where the premier, uh, who, remember, didn't testify at the Rouleau Commission, seemed to refuse to act. Um, and that became a very difficult political challenge for them. I'm not, I'm not excusing what the government did. Mm. But but there there is a political reality that they were that they were living in, and let's remember they were living in it, right? They, they, they were also doing their jobs and going to work through this convoy every day. Is there some danger as well in the Conservatives and Pierre Poly of rehashing those days of the Freedom Convoy? Yeah, I mean, I suppose there is. You you don't want to start to relitigate things that happened during the pandemic. But I, I, I do think that I would point to some of the comments that Daniel Smith made as well, who believes that the government is overstepping broadly on legal issues. She said this is another natural- example of the federal yeah. court ruling against the federal government's unconstitutional practices. Yeah, and, and if we start to go down that road, I mean, obviously, we know why she's saying that politically, but you can see how that becomes uh, kind of dangerous for the federal liberals. If there's a sense that provinces feel as though the federal government is overstepping, particularly in places like Alberta, where that is a very sensitive issue, you can see how that will that will help all conservatives, federal and provincial. I, I tend to think, Matt, that that a lot of this is already baked in. Um, you know, th- this has been some time that this has been over. The, the commission has happened. I think that the people who believe the government did the right thing still believe it. And the people who believe that they did the wrong thing still believe it. This will reinforce, as, as Michael Kempa just said, whatever side you're on, because now you can choose whatever, um, whatever decision you believe in, even if they're both saying largely the same thing. And that is really important. And that is that this was the first time this was used. Governments need to be really careful. And maybe this wasn't, maybe it isn't uh, properly written, and maybe it wasn't properly used in this case. And I actually think that everyone should be happy to hear those kinds of uh, criticisms and judgments from judges, because it makes the government accountable. And it makes it so that it's not easy for governments to do this in the future, because I think we all agree that that's not something we want the federal government doing easily. What is the, just in the last minute that we have, what does the government do now? I mean, part of this is about the appeal. They've also said they're going to look at, at overhauling the Emergencies Act. But does it hope that the zombie then, you know, recedes back into the ground, that this is over and done with it? As you said, if opinions are baked in, then we move on yeah. and focus on other things? I mean, sure, that's what they're going to hope. The appeal will happen. I mean, will it end up at the Supreme Court? I think that's a possibility. I think their problem is that it feeds into the things that the Conservatives are trying to explain to Canadians about this government. And the more fodder you give the Conservatives, the stronger their argument becomes, and the more difficult it is for this government, a government that, remember, is 
double digits behind the conservatives in polls right now to explain to Canadians that they are still working hard for them and that they care about them and that they can defend their rights. And in this case, that becomes a harder argument to make. Rosie, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. Rosemary Barton, the CBC's chief political correspondent. We did ask for an interview with the Deputy Prime Minister, Christian Freeland. We did not hear back. Public Safety Minister Dominic LeBlanc was not available. And the Justice Minister and Attorney General Arif Virani declined because of the ongoing litigation. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.